According to a Global Impact Investing Network and Dahlberg report in 2019, impact investments in Nigeria amounted to a total of 1.43 trillion naira or $4.7 billion in transactions, making Nigeria the largest recipient of impact investments in West Africa. Energy, agriculture, technology, and financial services were industries with the biggest recipients of investments. Impact investing presents a huge opportunity to bridge the financial inclusion gap in Nigeria. Tune in to a one of a kind radio show that will unlock Nigeria's impact investment potential with the aim to build public awareness and promote impact investing and financial inclusion in Nigeria. Anchored by Leila Balde. Every Wednesday at 11.30 to 12 noon. On your number one news, talk and sports station, 99.3 Nigeria Info. Join Business Day Media in partnership with the Ford Foundation and the Impact Investors Foundation of Nigeria. Founded by Nigeria Capital Alliance, the Bank of Industry, Ford Foundation, Business Day Media and Dalberg Advisors. Good morning, Lagos. Uh, welcome to another edition of Impact Investing Today. I'm really excited about what we're going to be talking about today. My name is Lele Balde, and this show is brought to you by Business Day and powered by the Ford Foundation. In studio with me, I'm very honored to have my colleague, Endurance Okafor, who is the financial inclusion editor at Business Day Media. Endurance, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Lele. And our special guest is Dr. Weber Bower, who is the CEO at All On Energy. Welcome to the show. Nagadef. <laughs> Mangifi. <laughs> That's the only I've Wolof ne- I know. I've never actually had a guest greet me in, in Wolof, which is uh, the language from Senegal. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, we're really excited to have you on the show. Um, you have been a pioneer in the impact investing space. Um, so much so that you were actually part of the Rockefeller team that coined the, the word impact investing. Well, not quite. Okay. I joined the team like a month after they coined the term. But you were still part yeah. of the team, of the core we, team. I was one of the evangelists. One yes. of the evangelists, yes. yes. Correct. Okay, you're being yeah. humble, but that's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so can, you know, we, we like to start this show by asking our guests, what is your definition of impact investing? Okay, so the definition of impact investing is basically when a business from the beginning of the business has an intent to create both social impact and financial return. But in addition to the intent, it's also that they are actively measuring it. So there's some companies that may say, oh yes, we intend to create social impact, but they're not actually doing anything to measure it or... Right make it a, a core part of their business and then that also makes it makes it sort of hard to call an impact investment um you know and that was that was basically the definition that was coined 2007 um it was it was a, a team from rockefeller foundation they they got together a bunch of people um, from all over the world who were kind of active in this space and at the time it was called double bottom line triple bottom line social investing a lot of different terms and there was a sense that they need to coin a common term um, and then build sort of a movement around that common term and then some definitions and so on so it, it really hails back to that 2007-2008 period when that process happened. Um, so Olon is an energy company and it was it's a company that was actually founded by Shell. It's considered to be an impact investing company. So can you talk to us a little bit more about what Olon does specifically? Right. So I guess back to the definition. So by intent, Olon from the beginning, our focus has been to both create a financial return for our investments, but also to create impact through connections power connections for low-income households and SMEs in Nigeria, primarily in the Niger Delta. So it's something that in our very DNA, it's not just about our investments making money. 
it's our investments um, bringing in connections and increasing you know access to energy. And in reality, you know, it, within impact investing, there's companies that are finance first, where their their primary motivation is the financial return, and then the the impact is second. In our case, we're impact first. Um, in that, our really our more important measure before we actually measure the economic return of our investments is how many connections were delivered. And so, in that case, we're an impact first, impact investing firm. Thank you for that endurance. Yeah, that's pretty nice. It's a lot of things you're doing in the uh, space because electricity is uh, a problem in a, in a country like Nigeria. So I would want to ask, just to take a little bit further, what's your opinion of the current state of impact investment, or social impact investment in Nigeria? Because if you look at all of the gaps that currently we have, uh, mm. the health sector, you were trying to do something in the electricity sector. So what's your, what's your take on the current state of Nigeria's uh, impact investment industry? Right. Okay. So let me actually take that back a little bit in terms of it historically. So uh, in the early days of impact investing, I was um, in Rockefeller Foundation based in Nairobi. And I was the person in Africa that was now trying to kind of build the movement around this concept. Um, you know, Nairobi is a place where there's a lot of social entrepreneurs and a lot of this type of activity. And so it kind of took root very quickly. I moved to Nigeria then in 2010 uh, to start the Tony Alumalu Foundation. And at, the CEO of that foundation. Exactly. And at that time, I mean, the concept of impact investing was unknown, basically unknown in Nigeria. Um, and so one of the things through that through the foundation was actually partly was to build that concept because as a foundation we were probably one of the first kind of impact investors by intent in Nigeria um, and and you know so at that time it wasn't something that anyone knew what it meant it, you know in any conversation you had to carefully explain what it meant um, you know in in a lot of Nigeria at the time investors they kind of looked at it and they said well in some ways almost every investment you make in Nigeria is an impact because you know this country has has so many social issues and and job you know unemployment is so high. So even if there's arguments that, okay, even if it's a, a company that is just creating lots of jobs, whether there was an intent or not, that's an impact investment. So in the early days, you know, th- it wasn't well known, but then kind of everybody tried to take hold and claim that they were doing that. But if you, if you even now, you know, almost a decade later, if you look at, you know, y- you hear everyone talking about impact investing. I mean, even the vice president of Nigeria, for example, in some of their social programs, um, we're talking about those as impact investments when it was actually giving out... Yeah, they were giving out grant small grants to very tiny businesses, and and those businesses were not by intent impact investments. They were just small businesses, right? So, so we have to be careful. I think even now, even you know, a lot of banks will talk about oh, they're doing impact investing, and to them, it just means maybe they're lending to SMEs, uh, and, CSR, right? And it's or it's just CSR, or it's something that they have to do. Um, so I think even though the term is well known now, I think the actual number of 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 investors or companies that would would self-identify and meet the definition of what an impact investment is it's not that many mm-hmm. um, and and because of that when you're an investor in this space um, you know whether it's in you know the key impact sectors are healthcare education agri- smallholder agriculture and you know access to energy um, a few others there's just not that many companies um, you know so in agriculture for example which again is is another massive impact opportunity in Nigeria because of the employment, because of the opportunity to bring millions of people out of out of poverty, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you can count on one hand the companies that are actually kind of in agriculture as an impact investment or, you know, funds looking at that space. I think there's only one or two. Mm-hmm. So even though Nigeria has the potential to kind of give everybody who wants to be in the space the impact numbers they need, um, because most investors and so on in impact investment, again, your metric is what is the impact you're trying to create, not the financial How do return you first. Impact and if you're doing this in Africa, if you don't do it in Nigeria, you're never going to meet the numbers that you need, the hundreds of thousands, the millions. But at the same time, 
Nigeria is a difficult place to operate. And so a lot of these investors and, and social entrepreneurs are still in East Africa. Maybe they're in Kenya. I mean, maybe they're in Ghana. Some of them go to Senegal. Uh, but by the time they come to Nigeria, it's a long time. And so, so even though this is, this, this is fertile ground for impact investment, there aren't that many truly, you know, by definition, impact investors or impact investing businesses in Nigeria. Okay. So just really, sorry, just to follow up on mm-hmm. that, uh, it's quite a nice point that you raised. So if you look at it, Nigerian, like I said, have this huge gap cut across different sectors. Mm-hmm. So basically, like you said, that most uh, impact investors will look at other countries before they come to Nigeria. Mm-hmm. What are the key issues yeah, you think that, that kind of like discourages them from coming in even though there's impact opportunities here in the country what right. are those things you've seen so what are the barriers, yeah. barriers yeah. well I think the number one barrier is actually just Nigeria's reputation right and 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 we have a reputation in Nigeria that is very different than the reality but it, it really is this feeling like okay if you are an entrepreneur Nigeria is where your your company will die because it's so difficult. Even just getting a visa to enter to even explore can be a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, these are things they're they're working out, but the, the business environment is not that conducive. You know, in in the energy space, the access energy space, you know, it was the work of Damilola Ogunbi at the Rural Electrification Agency that actually created the enabling environment that now you know every impact investor and every impact business in the energy access space is now rushing into Nigeria. But that's because she, you know, provided that kind of amazing leadership to open it up and and bring people in. You know, and when, you know, Adeshina was Minister of Agriculture, it was the same thing for agriculture. Suddenly, all those companies that were sitting comfortably in East Africa, you know, now, you know, he he would just call them and say, come to Nigeria and I will open the door for you and then then create that enabling environment. But you need that leadership. And without that leadership, it's quite difficult because of the the real and perceived, you know, obstacles we have in Nigeria. Now, on the flip side, what that has meant is that the companies that are here, that are in impact, that are impact investors or impact investing businesses, are are largely homegrown, right? And and what you often find in East Africa and other places is the impact investment funds or businesses are led by non, you know, by Europeans, Americans. Um, impact who, washing is what it's called. Well, yeah, and it can be impact washing, but right. no, but many of them, they, they are legitimately trying to create impact, yeah, but... Right. But it, there's not a lot of local leadership and ingenuity. In Nigeria, because of our barriers to entry and that perceived difficulty, the companies that do thrive here are usually Nigerian-owned, operated, and built. And, and therefore, they make more sense in Nigeria and they fit with the Nigerian market because they know the country and, and, and all the, the Oyibo do-gooders just aren't ready to come yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's one thing. I mean, at the Impact Investors um, convening <clears throat> dinner, there was uh, they gave out two awards, <clears throat> one for Impact Investor of the Year that <clears throat> went to Sahel Capital. Yes. Um, and then social enterprise of the year that went to Tomato Joss. I don't right. know if you're familiar with. Yes. Um, well, and and the, the the CEO of Sahel Capital also has a Joss connection. We went to school together in oh, Joss. Oh, did really? Yeah. So Small so jo- Joss is actually Joss is really impactful. Is is the, is the, is, the, is <laughs> the center of social enterprise in Nigeria in many it ways? Seems, yeah. It seems yeah. like it. It yeah. seems like it. Tomato Joss is doing amazing, amazing work. The founder is American, but mm-hmm. she actually moved here. Um, and saw an opportunity and actually has been empowering smallholder mm. f- uh, tomato farmers right. for a while. Yeah. So, but, but if you look, I guess, in the, in the ag space, for example, the other, so Mezu from Sahel Capital is Nigerian. And yes. then, you know, the, the founder and CEO of, of Babangona, which Babangona, is which yes. is kind of the, 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 the poster child for impact investing agriculture businesses. Kola Masha, Nigerian, um, the CEO of Apex. Coincidentally, they have the same last name. No, <laughs> um, and then the CEO of Africa Exchange Holdings, which is another 
impact investing in agriculture is Deji Balogun. Yes. Um, you know, so 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 these are companies that you know in in elsewhere in Africa it, it likely wouldn't have an indigenous founder and and CEO. Right. So that's a big difference here. And just in your view as an investor, what are some of the aspects of the investment cycle that social enterprises tend to fail at? I mean, we talk about the fact that you know there there aren't that many social enterprises that are vi- that are ready and um, you know ready for investment. So what mm-hmm. are the things that they tend to fail at? Like if there's a social enterprise that's listening right now mm-hmm. um, and is looking for investments, what are some of the things that you would say? I mean, you participated in the deal room mm-hmm. um, at IIF, the mm-hmm. convening. So what are some of the things you'd like to tell social enterprises out there? Well, okay. First of all, the the, the first one is be honest. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of them that are impact washing and are trying to. They're, they're basically trying to position themselves for, diff, for for impact capital. And so they try and create a story that it's an impact investment when it really when isn't. Not, right? And, it's, and, it's core. And so we, we need to be careful there and, and not try and you know use this as a, just a platform to get funding for a business that doesn't really qualify. So that that's the first. But secondly, um, and this was a big problem in the early days of formalized impact investing, is that there was a sense that the, the, the social aspect you know was way more important than the financial return. And in the end, you were really just investing in NGOs. Or not for profits, right. and and many of these companies, because you know investors in the space were desperate to deploy capital. In some cases, you know they were legally obligated to to, to invest a certain amount of money every year, and so yeah, you know th- they were they were chasing all so the same deals, right? And 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 so a lot of the companies that then were invested in, in in those early days, and then this is still the case in Nigeria, may have been so overly social that the commercial side of it, which again is equally important, even if you're an impact first investor or impact first business. Without commercial returns, without you know sustainability, then at some point you'll run out of money, and the business will no longer create impact. So right. it, it you you need both. You need both, and you need to so be properly structured. So together. so you often then had people who were maybe from the not for profit sector who thought, oh, this is let me jump into this, but then didn't know how to properly run a business, and then you know investors were still giving them money because right. they could tell the impact story, and then by the time they realized the finance was a problem. It was too late. too late. Yeah, really great points you shared. That was great, nice insight. So I want to just ask. Uh, so going forward for Nigeria, what are the key things you think should be in place? Yeah, to help uh, impart uh, opportunities to actually uh, spur and grow more than where it is right now, because we actually have very huge gap, mm-hmm. and it's also an impart opportunities for mm-hmm. investors. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, part of it is simply just awareness. Um, you know, in the end, you know, our commercial banks, which is the primary source of, of debt capital for any growing business in Nigeria, don't necessarily fully understand the any of the sectors. Like, they don't, you know, if you say, okay, can you invest in my company that's serving, you know, it's a, it's a hospital for low-income people, or uh-huh. it's, you know, ag- aggregating agriculture from smallholder farmers, or providing power to low-income... Their eyes will just glaze over. Like, well, you're going to lose my money. Why would I? Why would I put money in that? So, so we we need more of that education. Um, and, and in some ways, it's being done sector by sector. So, within the access to energy sector, there's a lot of work with the banks and sort of the traditional investors, even pension funds, where the big capital is um, of the opportunity. Uh, but no, it's not necessarily across the board, right? So, if you would go to them and say, okay, look, it's not just energy, but there's ag, there's health, there's education, education. and on and on. You know, and, and all of these could make money, but collectively, if you have a if you have kind of a focus, you could you could do something here. Sterling Bank has actually done pretty well in this, and they actually have a very strong focus on. I think they call it their heart strategy. I think it's health, education, agriculture, agriculture. renewable energy, and 
transport. Techno, techno, I don't know what it is, but yeah. the T, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, but, but again, they're the only bank doing that. And, and in some ways, as kind of a, a one of the smaller banks, it's a way to kind of jump ahead of some of the bigger banks and in this space an and, and create a niche. Yeah. Sure. Um, but again, you need everybody on board because the capital involved is we're talking the billion, the tens of billions to solve all these problems. So, that's, so, so, so that's one is you, you need to create that awareness and of the opportunity. Um, but uh, there's something the government can do also. Um, and, you know, no country has actually done this, but have a special re- registration for an impact fund, for example, or an impact business. Okay. Um, in, in the U.S., I guess they have something called a B Corp, which is sort of like a company where um, the, the, the creating shareholder value is, is kind of slightly different so that you're not under those legal obligations. And so right. you can create impact without this overarching pressure of you've got to make a big return quick you know um, we don't have that kind of category in Nigeria I mean we're a, a company limited by guarantee which is sort of a, 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 an opportunity like that because the money put in the investor can't get anything back but we can operate as a for-profit make a return as long as the the profits are also used for the same social purpose okay. um, but but there's no benefit to the donor right they don't even necessarily get an automatic tax benefit so uh-huh. so if we could have a set of laws and, and it wouldn't you know, it, it could be an amendment to maybe you know whatever the legislation was Existing that created laws. the SEC or something right. like that. that could be right, and say, look, if you are if you are clearly an impact business or an impact fund, and and you are your returns are below you know lower than normal commercial returns because you have this social impact focus, focus and and that social focus actually means you are providing funding for services that may actually normally be seen as government services, like public services, mm-hmm. right? Um, and instead, you're providing those in a in a for-profit way, but with a with an impact objective. Then, because of that, the government will say, you know, reduce maybe the the the, the, the tax on your profits or on your dividends um, to a level where it actually then means once you once you have this reduced taxes, then your returns ultimately are not that different from a typical fund, yeah. right? A typical investor, um, and and then you can actually pull a lot more capital into that space because that. Five, let's say five, ten percent difference mm-hmm. could could actually bring Make a lot more capital a, a into difference. the space. In addition, it could then be that you know even now when when people set up impact funds, um, even if their only country of focus is Nigeria, they're normally going to register them say in Mauritius or some of these other offshore locations. And 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 if Nigeria would put in some of these interesting and unique and innovative structures and incentives. Um, Funds not just for Nigeria, but even Africa-focused funds might say, "Oh, let's actually register our fund in Nigeria," and then obviously, along with that, not only is the money domiciled here, but then it creates jobs and creates it creates a, a whole industry and, and creates expertise and, and professionalism around this space. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then Nigeria could could you know kind of steal the march on where East Africa has been, um, etc. Where where investors that otherwise we're kind of staying away from Nigeria now instead come to Nigeria first. So it's about creating incentives for potential investors right. and, and whatnot. So so I'll, I'd like to pivot a little bit. Um, so one of the things that I've noticed in terms of, you know, philanthropy in Nigeria and, you know, we have a lot of financially able billionaires that have all these funds uh, but prefer to maybe give, um, to give their money away for philanthropic um, causes, be it health um, or what have you. And that's, that's honorable and it's a great thing to do. But I guess my question is, why do you think that there's so many Nigerian billionaires who are not impact investors? Well, okay, it's, it, impact investing is difficult, first of all. But I guess you can make that more broadly. I mean, globally, globally as well. You know, yeah. the majority of, of high net worth individuals, when they give away, they give away as 
get, you know, they set up foundations, they give away grants, charitable, etc. That was kind of the old way of thinking. Um, and and there's no reason why the Nigerian billionaires wouldn't follow the follow same route. Too. I mean, but I guess the, I'm saying Nigeria because yeah. we're talking of the con- context of Nigeria, right? But you can also make an argument that with all the poverty here, just giving in some cases, just giving away the money is, is what is needed. Okay, right. so, you know, so and, and then at the end of the day, it's money that they earned and made, and they should have a choice of what to do with it. Now, of course, yeah. You know, the, the impact investing movement, you know, is now. 10 plus years um, you know if even if you let's let's look at you know Bill Gates who's kind of hailed as like the world's greatest philanthropist right mm-hmm. um, you know he has done most of his work in health and education other sectors through the Gates Foundation through grants through giving away money right in energy in energy access um, he set up something called breakthrough energy ventures and brought in other billionaires from all over the world um, you know Patrice Mutsepe is in it um Richard Branson, you know, so okay. kind of the who's who of, of global billionaires. But Breakthrough Energy Ventures is a for-profit fund. It's uh-huh. a it's a it's a it's an investment fund, um, and and it's it almost shows a bit of a pivot that right. he didn't say, look, energy access and you know carbon reduction, climate change is a huge issue. I'm going to make it another pillar of the Gates Foundation. Instead, he put it deploys it through Breakthrough Energy Ventures, right. where there it's an impact investment approach right? right and so even that that's an example of you know but it took him what 15 to 20 years to make that pivot so it's evolving so saying. it's evolving um you know and in nigeria obviously you know the tony alumalu foundation was set up as as a, both an impact investor and a charity but the charity was charity part was to empower and equip entrepreneurs so it was you know it was basically it was giving away money to them but then eventually investing in them investing so in it was them. a bit of a blend right. um but yeah i mean you know other other big foundations in nigeria have different focuses mm-hmm. and um, I, I think it could be interesting to say look challenge them and say look why don't just like what bill gates did with bev why don't you know the top 10 wealthiest men in nigeria I think that come, would be a great idea. come together and say let's let's each put i mean for these guys 100 million each 100 million dollars yeah. each okay maybe 50 you know and, and let's 20. put 50. 50, okay. And let's let's all put this <laughs> We're like in. counting these people's yeah. money. <laughs> you know, and, and you could have a, a fund with several hundred million dollars, which then, you know, get it professionally managed as an impact fund and then pick two or three sectors. Because again, in Nigeria, every sector is in many ways a, an, an endless opportunity, right? Right. Um, and then say, look, we, we are going to now lead the charge and in impact investing in this space and then maybe invite, you know, and then you set it up and then invite others to kind of put their small money inside if they want to but um, there's no reason that couldn't work Um, I I think if they each do it individually I mean it'll be useful but it won't have the same impact I think collective effort so this is this is this is a call to action to all Nigerian billionaires that might be listening do you mean dollar billionaires or Naira billionaires I think both both (laughs) because Naira billionaires is a lot right but dollar billionaires there's right. maybe only 10 10 that's true yeah, yeah. maybe naira billionaires i think naira billionaires let's start with that okay um so if you're listening out there and you have your naira or dollar billionaire we we this is a call to action to you um to get together with your fellow billionaire friends mm-hmm. and actually set up um some sort of impact investing fund um that can do good and also um, bring in returns so that's also something because it's something I think about all the time right. and there's so much potential in that and I think collectively I find that when someone sees one person doing it then mm-hmm. they're encouraged to mm-hmm. also maybe do the same thing so I think right. it needs to be a collective effort right. but it's yeah. actually something that for example business day could be positioned to at least bring conv- like convene it convene. and, and right. bring them together I mean it's one of the only organizations in Nigeria that has that sort of convening cool. power since we're talking about uh, partnership and looking at uh, impact investment in Nigeria. If you were an impact investor who's looking for impact opportunity other than your sector, mm-hmm. 
what are the top three sectors in Nigeria you would want to invest, invest in, in right now? Okay, uh, education, um, and that would be low-income education at scale, uh, you know, leveraging a lot of the innovations that have been emerging around the world. Um, second would be um, agriculture. I mean, agriculture in Nigeria should be way more productive and more um, revenue generating than it is now. Um, let me stop at those two. I think I'm already doing access to energy, so then that's two <laughs> that's, and three. That's yeah, two sweet. and three. And yeah. I think my last thing. Um, so we talked about the fact that we'll need about 2.5 trillion um, mm-hmm. to actually bridge the SDG gap by the year 2030. Mm-hmm. Um, by some estimates, that's per year per annum. Yeah. Yes. So by some estimates, achieving the sustainable goals by 2030 will require an additional 2.5 trillion a year from diverse sources and $34 billion of that funding will need to come from the private sector. Okay. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that before we close out. So, and the question is, is that doable? Yes. This is the private sector in the whole world? Mm-hmm. I mean, look, okay, where are we now? I think they say now there's $500 billion of assets under management that are sort of impact assets. Impact assets, yeah, um, 500 billion. Is, it, is that, the, I think that's the number. So That's the gin, that's what gin says. Right, yeah. so if you need, and gin is always correct. Yeah. That's the global impact investing that's network, the not the drink. <laughs> yeah, just to be clear. Um, well, thanks for that clarification. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, if that's the total under, under management currently, I mean, then to say that um, annually you're going to get another half billion, half, no, hang on, half trillion, half I think trillion. that's, that's going to be tough. So $34 billion is probably a manageable number, but I don't think that number is correct. I think it needs to be more. But I think ultimately, look, there is a there is a movement across business in every sector. And part of this is actually driven by the the, um, the new generation entering the workforce. People miscall them millennials. Millennials are people born from 1980 to 1995. That's not what we're talking about. It's people born since then right. um, who are actually entering the workforce with a completely different motivation. Their motivation is what is the social impact I'm going to create in my life, not what is my bank account going to look like. Right. And those, those, this generation is entering, you know, every sector, even, you know, whether it's alcohol, anything. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, okay, look, this business that we're in, how are we changing the world? Um, and, and I think because of that, this is going to become a, 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 a conversation in every business, in every sector, even the ones that you would not in any way associate with creating impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's going to drive a lot more capital into this space and even drive business models that have been very traditional into different directions. Um, and so I think, you know, maybe, I don't know if 2030 maybe is too quick um, for the for this generation to have that kind of impact because, you know, the, the, we old people don't like the new people to cut, to take over too quickly. Yeah. Um, we still need some time. And too. in fact, even our generation hasn't even been, you know, it's the old men are still running and even our generation yeah, hasn't had a chance. Still yet. Waiting to, so to we haven't it. even entered. We're like <laughs> Prince Charles, right? We're still waiting. Still waiting. Um, and so these guys are coming in and so, you know, but they, they may not wait for their chance. They may just say, you know what, you guys, we're going to have time to wait. We're going to make impact car companies. We're going to make impact oil companies. We're going to make impact breweries. Who knows what it's going to be? Right. Um, but I think that's actually what's going to be the driving force for, for transformation and to increase that private sector number to the point where, you know, it, you can see by, you know, middle of this, this um, century, mm. um, we may not even need to be talking about impact investing because in, in investing may just be, that may be the mainstream may be. and investing where it's, it's purely for profit people be like that's really weird why would you why would you just why want you a financial want return like what profit. about I wonder money? if we'll ever get to that stage I, th- I think we will well, I think we will hopefully yeah. um, so this has been a really insightful conversation thank you so much Dr. Weber Boer who's the CEO at All On Energy for just giving us insight on the energy sector impact investing and everything in between we really appreciate your time again this has been another edition of Impact Investing Today brought to you by Business Day and powered by 
the Ford Foundation. Thank you, Indrian Sokafo, for joining me. Um, he is the Financial Inclusion Editor at Business Day. And we look forward to seeing you on next week's edition. Until next time, I am signing out. Thank you.